You're listening to The Professional Blur, a podcast hosted by me, Jason Klom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Professional Blur podcast. With me today, via Skype, is the delightful David Nuttycomb. Thank you so much for doing the show. <laughs> You're welcome. And let me correct you right yes. now. Delightful. Maybe not the best choice of words, but I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, fortunately, uh, first of all, I've wanted to have you on the Comedy on Vinyl podcast for a long time, and that will happen. Um, but when somebody <laughs> okay. says, I did extra work, and I did as much extra work as you've done, and at least have some very interesting stories about it, uh, obviously I had to have you on the show. Um, well, Why don't you tell people, though, who you are, what you've done, what you're still doing, and then we'll get into the meat of the professional blur part. <laughs> done a, a bunch of uh, crazy stuff um i was uh for the 90s into the early 2000s i was the washington post comedy critic um that sort of thing uh i had a uh, uh a film group um well actually before that I, I was in a comedy band pre-weird al i was in a comedy band and we did you know song parody kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, and we were wildly successful in the washington dc metropolitan area and so it was no surprise when weird al came along that he just was this phenomenon we broke up uh one guy one was in med school another was in art school um anyway uh and then from then i i joined this group uh travesty films we did uh, a bunch of very stupid films and then a uh, comedy album teen comedy party that yes. uh handed to dr demento when he uh, came here and uh, one of our bits, The Rock and Roll Doctor, became, uh, became a hit on The Dr. Demento Show. And he subsequently put it on three uh, compilation albums, including the, I think it's the, what, the six-volume uh, box set, The World's Greatest Novelty Recording. Yeah. So we're right there. Um, and we opened for Weird Al um, uh, when he came. Actually, we were opening, we were the opening act Weird was the middle, and Dr. Demento was headlining Amazing. at this nightclub here. This is uh, right when uh, Hey Ricky had come out. Okay, um, so he wasn't he wasn't huge, but he was he was huge on Dr. Demento so. for sure. Uh, so they sold out this 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 big club, and then the next year uh, we weren't doing any live acts because <laughs> our live act was terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh huh. So, but I did get Jay Levy, uh, Weird Al's manager, did you know? give me tickets and so uh the next year um weird al was headlining and dr demento was opening for him and it's a bizarre one of the bizarre moments of, of my life i you know i was you know front row and just standing and cheering and like two people down was this lovely young blonde uh gal and you know, we're both cheering and kind of occasionally just kind of just hey, hey how you doing after the show I, I go back to kind of just say hey great show and you know schmooze uh, backstage because i'm a backstage schmoozer sure and i'm wa- i'm walking out and the gal is coming in and she looks at me and she stops and she goes oh did they call you weird in high school <laughs> and, and i'm thinking i i look nothing like weird <laughs> and we were just standing next what anyway I, I said yes they did because that actually is true anyway <laughs> and just kind of walked out as soon as i could <laughs> um so I don't, I, I don't know. Anyway, so that's, so there was that. Yeah. And then after uh, the, uh, um, uh, the, the, we, the, the album we did, Dean Comedy Party, um, we had the, the Demento hit and we had the Sunday New York Times did a review of it. I don't know how they got 
got it because we weren't together enough to like send a review copy out, but they got one and called it a truly funny recording. It was just this rave review in the Sunday New York Times. Um, and in the other, there was, I think, uh, I think there was a Bill Cosby and a uh, Steve Martin and several other, you know, legitimate people there. Sure. Uh, and he singled us out. Um, wow. And then I spent the next Monday, like, calling up every record store in New York I could find and uh, not, never heard of it. <laughs> so oh, there you no. go with that. Anyway, and so yeah, then after, after that, I, yeah, I got into journalism, was doing uh, uh, comedy, comedy stuff, uh, comedy reviews for, uh, interviewed, uh, interviewed uh, young, very young Dave Chappelle uh, at this tiny little, uh, tiny, tiny little club. Uh, his mother and grandmother were in the audience. <laughs> oh my God! Because <laughs> because he got his start here. Yeah. Um, uh, and he was uh, he was at least a quarter baked during our interview, I would say. <laughs> but but there you go. He hadn't graduated anyway. yet. That's, that's um, remarkable. <laughs> right, exactly. Some people I interview have only done extra work once or twice and haven't even been on sets all that much. They've just got interesting stories. But I'd like to know <laughs> what your first time on a film or TV set was like, period, whether you were an extra or not. Um... I can I can actually go back to to when I first uh, when the the concept of being an extra in a movie you know first appeared in my life it was uh, the film Lilith mm-hmm. with uh, Warren Beatty and Gene Seberg came and they filmed some scenes uh, in my hometown Rockville Maryland and the lady up the street uh, she was you know the the mom nobody really she was always yelling at the kids get off my yard that sort of thing none, none of the kids liked her mm-hmm. anyway and she I, I don't know if she'd had some sort of aspiration but she got all dolled up because they there was a call for extras and that was the first time i heard that you know actual people could be in the in a movie in the background of a movie or whatever i didn't fully understand it because i was a, a kid uh myself um and so she gets, you know, all dressed up as if she's, you know, going to church uh, to go, you know, to this casting call. And she doesn't get picked. And she was devastated. Oh, no. And it was sort of, it was kind of, because we didn't like her, it was kind of the joke of, you know, the neighborhood. Of course. Like, ha you, you know, uh, cruel, cruel kids. Um, I don't know why I didn't pick her anyway. And I still have never seen the movie. Um, <laughs> it's probably not a, not a great one, but... Uh, but that's that was yeah sixty four. Uh, so then, um, I guess oh ten years later, right nineteen seventy four. No, actually, um, yeah seventy four. Uh, airport seventy five comes down. They're they're filming at Dulles Airport, which was then I think sort of new. Okay. Uh, fans will remember Dulles from Die Hard two. Sure. It's featured there. Uh, Erosarian. It's a very uh, modern style. Uh, interesting looking building um, so they were they were filming there and uh, <clears throat> which was again you know huge huge talk because airport had been a big hit and I, I was just looking it up and then they, they did a whole bunch of airport movies after that there was airport 75 77 I think there was an 80 anyway wow um, <clears throat> so my sister had gone out and just kind of kibitz and walk watch it uh, a couple days before and uh, and Edith Head had come over wow. and just asked her, said, what do you think of the costumes? And <sighs> Edith Head, you, you recognize, I mean, wow. she's, you know, the most famous costume designer. Uh, you know, I you can't think of another one. No, um, no. 
yeah <laughs> and for some reason I, I she was insecure she didn't think she'd done a good job or something she's asking teenage girls you going hey do you like what Myrna Loy is uh, wearing I don't you know wow. I don't know what my sister told her but uh anyway so so the next uh day or a couple of days later me and uh, my buddy uh take the long drive out to Dulles airport just to kind of you know kibitz cuz we have nothing to do and they're they're really just basically a big long scene of just Myrna Loy and somebody else kind of walking up and I guess going <clears throat> to board the plane and there was this these kiosks in the middle of the hall that just had you know candy bars and stuff and so me and my buddy just kind of just I, I forget how we we just sort of wangled our way into the background of the scene mm -hmm. and just I just stood there and just was like eating candy bars <laughs> <laughs> because there was no there was no you know they they'd roped off the whole place from the actual employees right and I don't know how we got in there and so we we just stood there for like you know several takes long takes of just going down this long airport hallway uh, until finally some you know PA or AD or combination of letters came up and said uh, you're not supposed to be here <laughs> oh sorry and kicked us out um, and then of course I had to go to see the movie but it was you know the, the focus was so shallow that uh, you know I, w I would have been a blur mm -hmm. a, a, an extreme an extreme blur and that can be your next podcast a spin off go. of this extreme blur uh -huh. people that aren't even aren't even seen in the background <laughs> so that so that was the just illegal Part of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I, lo I love yeah. that you snuck on. Those those are the kind of things you can't get away with as much anymore. Too bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I know because I've been a PA on a lot of uh, productions and, and part of my job is keeping... I had a job, I think it was for a car car commercial and they, they were filming at the Lincoln Memorial. Mm -hmm. And this is a side, side note. Uh, pretty much whenever Hollywood comes to Washington, they just go to the Lincoln Memorial. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, it's to the point where, you know, when I get a call, hey, we got a job tomorrow, I say, what time do you want me at the Lincoln Memorial? Mm -hmm. Because that's the only place they come. <laughs> and and it is, it is truly an inspiring, it is one of the defining American sites. And if you, uh, on you know, kind of turn your back on Mr. Lincoln for a minute, at the top of the stairs, you look out across the reflecting pool, the Washington Monument, the Capitol Dome, it's just really inspiring. And that's why, you know, millions of people come every year to kind of, be there and my job for this commercial was just to keep people away from you know doing they they'd come you know there was people from around the world and i'm saying no 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 don't no you have to stand over there you know, get wow back, get, back, get back and keep them back and but the, the sad sad thing is when they find out that they're shooting a car commercial they were more excited than <laughs> than they had been for like coming to see the real thing. It's I just I felt miserable oh, about that. Son of a bitch. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but but and and actually the my first actual you know it was really a job and I don't remember how I got word of this but they were filming uh, it was I think a miniseries or a TV movie called Washington uh, Behind Closed Doors. Mm -hmm based on a John Ehrlichman book. John Ehrlichman, one of the Watergate co-conspirators, went to jail. And it was based on a, a, a real bizarre fact where uh, during the Vietnam War, Nixon uh, made this like midnight drive to the, uh, 
to the Lincoln Memorial where all these, you know, protesters were out there, all these, you know, hippies. Mm-hmm. And he just like gets out of the limousine. He's out there and he's just kind of debating these hippies. And there's there's footage of it. And it's just totally, totally strange. Wow. So anyway, so they're they're doing this uh, this thing. And I do remember that um, I went into the, the casting person and I had this, this ratty old coat. Um, ratty is the only word to describe. I can't tell you any what type of coat wa- it was other than just a ratty old coat. Mm-hmm. And, and they were looking for, for, you know, dirty hippies. Sure. And so I was perfectly cast. I had my dirty hippie hair and my beard. Um, and uh, so she said, oh, great. And she says, yeah, re- yeah bring that coat. Bring that coat tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or it was like next week. It was, there was a few days between, you know, getting, getting the job and then like, showing up uh, for the shoot. And in between, I was, you know, I was just, a, I was a teenager or something or in college and I'm living at home and in between coming home, you know, from getting cast as a, as a dirty hippie in this TV movie and showing up on set the day I go, I, I go to the closet and where's the coat? Oh, my, the, 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 my, my mother had, had like thrown it away or given it away or something. <laughs> no. and. And the bizarre thing, she never did that. She just, you know, she never messed with my stuff or just, just, but just for some reason, she just couldn't stand that coat and got rid of it. <laughs> and so I just had to get, you know, just like a regular coat coat that didn't, you know, look like a fine coat. And I show up, you know, on, on call and just, I get this look from that woman. I just, <laughs> I felt terrible because it's like, I just, I, you know, I wanted to explain, but there's no explanation and just, but she let me go anyway because, you know, it was, it was a pretty big, big crowd that they were, they were filming. Uh-huh. But I, I, I still remember that, that poor casting director's <laughs> scathing look. It, uh, it seared, seared into me. Where, uh, uh, where um, was the crowd shot? Well, the crowd, it was at the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, it was and at the Lincoln Memorial the, as well. Okay. Yeah. And it was uh, Tony Bill, who later went on to produce The Sting and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, this is before The Sting. And Jason Robards was playing Nixon. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were on set. And so it's... Also, they're, they're, the reason I had the coat is they're filming... It was like in July. And Washington in July is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 102% humidity with no rain. It's mm. just this... Just, but they were you know filming, you know summer for winter they were gonna fake it somehow i don't know um and so so they they set up the scene where uh tony bill and jason robert they get out of the limousine they're kind of coming up toward the kids and then all the hippies kind of get up and kind of just you know mill around them you know gabba gabba hey uh Uh, and we we do the first take and just Maybe we're just so excited to be around Jason Robards. I'm sure that you know, sure, can understand that feeling. And so, just they're just this this huge. It's like a a, a rugby scrum, and just everybody is like, you know, rushing in. It's a stampede, and Robards is just getting banged around. He's going, "Hey, what the hell?" And just you know, fearing for his life. I'm sure. And then you know, cut, cut, cut. And then we get a stern lecture. You know, from. <laughs> <laughs> from the uh, the crew this you know it's just you know let's have a little more a little more respect here uh-huh um <laughs> and so did it did it a couple uh, a couple more times and that was it and this one i i've never seen it it was a tv movie or a miniseries and i didn't watch it mm-hmm. and i don't know where it would be now i don't think uh anyone could watch it so i never 
got to see, but I don't think I, I wasn't anywhere near really the, the camera. I was on the, the outer scrum attacking mm-hmm. Jason Robards. That's so funny. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So that was, um, and then, uh, you know, I'd done, I'd done a whole bunch of, um, you know, PA work and, and stuff like that. But the, uh, the next uh, extra thing was uh, Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I forget how many Spider-Man we've had now. I don't understand too, the whole... Too many, yeah, at this need, point. Yeah, sorry. But this was the, the original, because um, directed by Sam Raimi. And Sam had directed uh, a thing I did uh, a few years uh, before, which um, was basically Dumb and Dumber, but instead of uh, Jim Carrey, we had Larry Zabel. Uh-huh. And I think you can understand where where the mistake happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Larry's a lovely guy. He's not Jim Carrey. But it was just, it was, you know, two stupid guys doing stupid stuff. Sure. Anyway, call, it was called The Losers. Okay. And Sam directed this uh, 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 pilot thing, and, you know, we went out to L.A., had all kinds of wonderful meetings. Uh, there's a great quote from Rain Wilson, who said, the most meaningless phrase in Hollywood is, I just had a great meeting, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that that was certainly been my my experience. But uh, but anyway, you know, kept kept in touch, and and uh, Sam is just truly just one of the great guys. I mean, he he came out, uh, he flew out with and brought his camera. He had his you know his own personal camera to to film this thing. Mm-hmm. We shot it on on film. Uh, just a just a really really great guy. Um, so, uh, you know, I heard he was, uh, you know, directing Spider-Man and they were shooting Queens. And I said, well, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just take the day off, drive up and say hi. Yeah. And so I do. Um, I get up uh, on the set and uh, he just sees me. He says, hey, buddy, how you doing? And he says, uh, get this guy a hero spot. You know, give my pal a hero spot. And I didn't know what hero spot meant. Sure. But it, you know, a featured, you know, background thing where you can actually you're not blurred where you can yeah. actually see her so i became uh guy it was a scene where uh mary jane is kind of has had an argument and is coming out of her house in tears and uh peter parker kind of comes up and sees her and then she is crying and she walks away and i'm guy down the block taking the garbage out in the morning mm-hmm. um a, a, a tough role, a tough role. Love it. Um, and I actually, I, I, I screwed up one of the takes because I just didn't time myself, and I almost, you know, knocked into Kirsten Dunst uh, <laughs> no. as she was walking tearfully away. Uh-huh. My future ex-wife, Kirsten. Uh-huh. Interesting uh, fun fact: on Spider-Man One, Kirsten's stand-in was named Kristen. That's pretty funny. So, there you go. There you go. Um, and but what? But I. <laughs> They they rapped and they're calling everybody uh, uh, you know back and then I look and I see coming from like way the heck like twenty blocks away, it's this guy I know a friend of a friend who is a professional actor, and I feel terrible because you know I just kind of show up and he gives me this you know real nice you know hero spot sure and this guy who's whose job you know he's a stage actor and he does you know he does extra work and it is just relegated to nothing and i just said oh my god i feel feel terrible terrible mm-hmm. of course he was getting paid and and i don't think he even cared sure anyway, so sure. but i just i felt i still i still felt bad um 
but uh, yeah, and, and then then and this is just a, a rookie mistake on Sam's part because uh, I go to see the movie and uh, he cut me out completely. <laughs> had had he held on a shot of a person walking away from the camera for about ten seconds mm-hmm. instead of what he did was he cut to a close-up of the star of the movie, <laughs> well, then then I would have been in the movie. And I, I still think he made a grave mistake. Of course. Uh, that That's filmmaking. That's a bad, that's a, uh, yeah. Opportunity anyway. missed. Um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, but I did get to, uh, you know, shake hands with Kirsten Dunst. And that was, uh, that was a delight. I bet. Uh, and, and, and uh, 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 Toby. Yeah. Who was a, a charming, charming fellow? Uh, um, what what was in between takes on a set like that where you know the director? I mean, uh, well, I mean he was busy, and I, you know, I didn't want to, you know, mess around. So I was mostly just in the uh, in the tent. I was talking to uh, was it Ari, uh, the 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 Marvel guy? I guess maybe he's still the Marvel guy. He's not uh, Paul Feige, but but he was like the guy. Maybe the guy that got all the rights from Stan Lee or oh, something. Oh, okay, yeah. Ari, I'm forgetting his last name. Super, super nice guy. We were just kind of just chit-chatting about nothing in particular mm-hmm. all night long. Uh, it was a very, very cold night. And they, uh, yeah, they filmed a whole bunch of stuff. Um, anyway, so that, uh, Sam, previously he'd offered, um, I could have been in, uh, um, What's what's the last uh, Evil Dead movie? The uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, uh, but the deal was I had to learn to ride a horse and stop <laughs> on command and deliver a line. I mean, this would have been you know a nice nice thing. Yeah, but uh, but I went out. A friend of mine had you know uh, knew a horse, so I went out and I took one day of riding horses, and the next day I, I could not get could not get up. Damn I just, it! My back was just totally. Totally shattered. Oh, no, no, this ain't happening. So anyway, um, oh. yeah. But um, there's there's uh, also sort of similar to uh, well, not well, sort of. My uh, a friend of mine, uh, the 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 guy who I snuck into Airport seventy five with, uh, moved to New York to become an actor, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was up visiting once, and I just show up, and he says, "Oh, hey, I just got a just got a job. Yeah, come on, come with me." And so we went down to Grand Central Station, and they had uh, they had rented the entirety of Grand Central Station for the evening, plus a track and a train, and it was weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I did, and I, I knew Andrew McCarthy. I didn't know the Jonathan Silverman uh, f- at all, but I, I knew it. So okay, and so they filmed from six o'clock till eight in the morning so it was which is like golden hour so uh-huh. all, you're you're starting and everybody's you know getting time and a half and this that and the other and there were uh, over a hundred extras they were uh, wow. they had to fill grand central station yeah um and uh the, the scene was basically just um the two guys they're walking onto a train and so they kind of they're walking through grand central they stop, they have a conversation, they go up to the train, they stop, they have a conversation, they get on the train. And that is what took, you know, 14 hours. Wow. Um, I did, and so I was, my friend was, you know, one of the extras. And I remember that he, he also, he, uh, he brought a, a briefcase with him. And when they were checking out, he, 
you know, very pointedly says to the, the casting woman, says, you know, I, I got a brief, briefcase, which I guess as a professional you will know that means he got, uh, you know, extra pay because he had a prop. He brought one of his own props, yeah. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, which I thought was just fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. But I did get to kind of sneak in and have a, a really good uh, really good meal. They, they, they fed everybody uh, very well. Um, so I just pretended to be a legitimate extra for for the purpose of, of eating. But the rest of it was, I was just 14 hours just kind of staring at just <laughs> a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> nothing happened. That's and then, hilarious. as I'm sure you remember, I, I went to the theater to see the uh, great scene. Mm-hmm. Nope, not in the movie. <laughs> Nowhere. Not in, maybe it's in Weekend at Bernie's 2. Sure, there know. you go. Maybe they did a flashback and said, remember when <laughs> we were at the station and we had that conversation? I have we to wonder if that. you're in a bunch of deleted scenes on DVDs <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Do be worth looking at. That's a that's a special type of extra work. Yes, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, so that uh, that was that. And then then I have a a friend of mine who is a continuity ed- uh, mistake in broadcast news. Really? Yeah. It's because uh, they filmed they they were here for uh, I want to say a month or more filming in D.C. Uh, and the uh, this friend he was he was working at the Washington Post. He was a uh, a copy boy. You know he wasn't like a reporter. He was you know you know get me coffee and uh, here Xerox this that that kind of guy. Um, and so a call you know they said hey we're we're looking for extras. And so he he goes up. He's a movie uh, movie freak, uh, and they don't choose him. And he's he's just outraged. How how <laughs> can they not choose me? So he just shows up as well because his brother got in his mm-hmm. brother who then went on to become a, a, a big time stunt guy did a bunch of Scorsese he did Gangs in New York I think anyway oh, wow. so so uh, he just uh, he just shows up um, and he's also incredibly vain and so there was a scene he was just there on bleachers and somebody's giving a speech and he was tasked AD says okay when I raise my hand you guys just get up and leave and so he's not wearing his glasses. So, you know, scene come, AD's kind of making the movie. He doesn't see it. And then cut, cut, cut. Hey, you're supposed to move. Oh, okay. So he works out a deal, you know, just kick me in the leg when the guy, you know, <laughs> yeah, when, when the guy makes the move. So the next time they go, and he gets up and he, he, he's leaving. And then he stops and he turns and he starts shaking his fist like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making this big, you know dramatic moments like what what cut 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 so he oh, screwed no. that up yeah oh, no. then but this is they they left him in this there's a scene it's toward the end albert brooks and holly hunter are uh having a conversation holly's inside like a restaurant and albert is out on the street and they're kind of talking back and the camera's cutting back and forth and so you cut to, back to albert and he says something and in the background this guy walking by reading a book and even if you don't know this guy, uh, you can say that guy knows he's on camera. He's just kind of walking <laughs> a little strange. And so then they cut back to Holly Hunter and she says something. They cut back to Alan Brooks and then the guy walks by in the same direction. <laughs> this is the same thing. And I've always wondered, there, surely uh, editor saw that. I guess they had no other take that they could use, <laughs> but it's just... It's complete. I mean, you, you'd probably miss it if you know if you're really enjoying the movie, but it just yeah, it just totally totally stands out. Um, 
Yeah, terrible. That's terrible. Remarkable. <laughs> yeah. We, well, um, you know, that's, that is a type uh, that you meet, I think, on set. There, there are a lot of different sort of archetypes people fall into, and definitely the one who tries so hard to get on camera rather than just wait for it is, uh, that's common. <laughs> Very common. Right, right, right. Did you? Was there any right. uh, any point? Because obviously you're you're a creative man and uh, you act. Was there a point during any of your extra work that you had <laughs> any sort of designs on making anything out of it, or was it just a job each time? Yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was only a job really on that one thing where I got a little box chicken chicken dinner because um, I needed. I was just I guess in college or something. I, I just <laughs> needed the work. I remember. Sure. I, I, can't remember what it what it paid, but it uh, seemed like uh, a pretty pretty good thing. Um, no, I only really uh, acted quote unquote in in my own uh, stupid films. Um, uh, but uh, but no, and I, it, I I I've yeah since learned that there's the whole like my friend being smart enough to bring a briefcase so he can get an extra twenty bucks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole you know fight to get a line and. And I definitely pay attention to to back. That's why I, I think think the the whole professional blur thing is just such a such a great idea because uh, it's this huge part of the business that nobody pays attention to. And also, right. I, I don't know, just uh, up upcoming. Um, I think Bill Oakley, Simpsons writer, he posted a picture of uh, one of those like fifties uh, Bible epics. Uh, Quo Vadis or something like that. And it was just this scene of just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And this is, you know, decades and decades before CGI. So it was actually, mm-hmm. they got people to to do this. Now, right. uh, you know, I mean, it, it is in the extra, you know, the blur community, um, is there a worry that uh, they just need one guy and then they'll just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I will tell you, I was in the aviator and they only hired about maybe 200 of us, which is a lot. But I mean, they hired about 200 of us to fill in one part of a theater. And then the whole theater is filled, filled when you see the final shot. So they just did CGI us over and over oh again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't you be getting some sort of like a digital fee for that? Yeah. Or right. Something? Yeah. Uh, you know, You're every, using five. Every time me. they, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can do five and that's okay. But if you do six, now I, now I get some, an extra money. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it seemed only fair. I think a, a separate a blur union. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend like who that. who's who's like you know I kind of want to do. He's always wanted to do an awards show for best extra and different right. types of extra work. And I'm like, please do it. Absolutely do it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 a fun thing to watch. It can be monotonous, but like there's some show. It's fun to watch when somebody the uh, same thing as that guy crosses over more than one time in the exact same. Uh, right. going in the exact same direction or there's one so an ex of mine her grandfather was a professional extra and did so much like he, his story is more, most fascinating because he would sit on set and just he was on set with Jack Lemon, so he just drew Jack Lemon, and it's this beautiful portrait like he would draw <laughs> wow. all these people and wow. I was like and I've seen the portfolio and it's beautiful and um, I would help her every once in a while. I was like, wait, is he in this movie? She's like, yeah, he's in this one. And so I would capture it. And then I would catch another extra a few frames away. Like there's, what is it called? Eight Million Ways to Die or something. It's right. a Jeff Bridges movie. 
Right, yeah. Yes. Uh, to Live and Die in L.A. or something. Or, no, yeah, something like that. I anyway, can't yeah, remember I, the exact title, but her grandfather's in it briefly. But then there's another guy who closes his eyes and sidewalks past the camera. Like, side doesn't walk straight forward. <laughs> He's sidewalking like a crab. And it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So when you're looking, boy, oh, boy, the, the, the strange shit you find because, uh, yeah, people make weird choices uh, in the moment. There's also, and you, with your uh, detective skills, can probably find, there was a guy in like the first years of Saturday Night Live. He was an older guy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what his name was, but it was, you know, whenever they do the few, you know, need a a small crowd or something on on a sketch. Mm -hmm. And he was was in, in every show. And he was just a much older guy. And he was, and you noticed him because he was the only old guy there. It was just... (laughs) You know, they'd have the writers or whoever they'd have. Maybe they'd have higher, you know, actors. I don't know. Sure. But if you go back and look at, at the, the first first ones, I, you know, I never saw that they gave credit. But but he was just so conspicuous. He, he just uh, kind of, who did he sort of look like? Uh, kind of a Brian Keith sort okay. of looking guy. All right. And, and... But he was he was one of the the main guys in in all the old uh, Saturday Night Live. The first I'm gonna you know, have to look years, now, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. It, it's just one of those things. You're because you're not supposed to notice, but the second you start paying attention, you can't right. help it anymore. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> what? So since this sort of round of extra work, have you done anything? I mean, Spider Man's pretty recent, but have you done anything more recent than that? Have you? I. That that was my uh, I think that was my uh, oh well I yeah no I I mean I I've just uh, I watched uh, they they filmed being there here oh yeah and I went down and watched a uh, that was just kind of watching as anyone sneaking in but I watched it's a scene where uh, Shirley MacLaine backs into Peter Sellers and you know bumps his leg and then just mm-hmm. takes takes him home uh, inciting incident perhaps you could say yes and, indeed. Uh, um, and I watched that, and that was exciting. But uh, no, I guess I have not, because uh, you know, I, I yeah, I was doing journalism, just kind of interviewing uh, 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 Oscar winners. Interviewed, uh, I, I interviewed. Um, uh, oh my gosh, um, the Exorcist uh, director. I wish I knew. Uh, I'm so terrible with those yeah. movies. Um, uh, <laughs> I should know. Oh, Academy Academy Award winner. I can look it up. Um, also, the uh, French Connection. Just William uh, Friedkin. Still around. William Friedkin. Yes, William there Friedkin. Thank you. Uh, so he did a uh, some kind of serial killer movie, mm-hmm. and I just uh, I can't I can't remember the name because it just it was like oh man this is terrible. But <laughs> he yeah, and so and then I had to go. It's one of the first things things I did. Um, and because I guess the, the the regular guy said, "No, nah, this movie's a stinker. I don't want to talk to him." But he was so eager to talk, and it, he, to him, it was a movie that was addressing all sorts of, you know, grand social uh, needs. Of course, um, sure. But it was a serial killer movie, and he, and I just I just I I ran out of questions very early, and he, he was like begging me, so ask me more, ask me more," and I just I felt. Uh, I felt bad. The photographer started asking him questions. <laughs> so, oh but goodness. also then his wife, he's, he's married to uh, Sherry. Uh, she was the head of uh, Paramount, I think. Uh, 
lovely woman. I'm forgetting her last name too, but she has just just incredibly large, piercing uh, blue-green eyes. Anyway. It's got to be interesting, though, going from uh, you're an extra. In any situation, you're an extra. You're at the whim of not just the director, but an assistant to an assistant. You're at the whim of a PA sometimes to going to, right. oh, I'm no, I'm now interviewing a director who wants me to ask them more questions, who kind of yeah. really <laughs> right, is putting right, all the power right. in my hands. All right, right. I interviewed... Uh, uh, Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy for uh, Waiting for Guffman mm-hmm. when that came out. And the entire conversation was basically they didn't want anyone to know that it was an improv movie. And I wow. kept arguing, said, no, that's... That, because they're, they're... I mean, and now that's what they're known for. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's... You know, and they created a whole, you know, genre, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were concerned that if people thought that it was improv, that they would think, oh, they didn't really, you know, work hard on Put it. Put any they time try. into it, sure. It's a little, yeah, right. So that was their argument. We kept going back and forth about this, and so that's pretty much the whole interview is just, please don't tell people it was <laughs> it was improv. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah. I mean, those movies um, changed my life as pr- yeah, somebody who yeah. learned comedy through improv. And yeah. who, especially once a mighty wind came out and realized, oh, I need to make an improv movie. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting that they yeah. didn't want yeah. that coming out. I, I guess they've you know learned to to live with it. But sure, uh, they were. Uh, I mean, and and yeah, I mean, they both were you know idols of mine. It was just kind of and and uh, you know I I kind of pride myself on the fact that I didn't you know go fanboy and say oh by the way here's 17 of my scripts Please of course read them. of course um <laughs> but but i mean that does happen <laughs> i'm sure you know that uh, uh but uh um yeah they were very uh christopher guest is just a very uh serious uh serious fellow about his about his art he's not the you know, he doesn't. He doesn't do shtick. I, I, I asked him some question about some uh, National Lampoon radio, a bit, and he goes, "Oh, was that one of mine?" <laughs> like, you know, it was just out. It was, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't care less. Yeah, not a, not done. a bit. Like yeah. you say, he's yeah. just. Oh, I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen yeah. him, and he's like, "I'm just not. I'm not very funny. I'm not very funny in person." Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah. well, at least you know it." It's crazy, (laughs) though, to have that. He's got to have it in him. It's just certain social situations must not call for it in his mind. And, you know, could be the reserved uh, Britishness, could be the, you know, the lordness of it all. But uh, that's really funny to me. Right, right. So fascinating. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's a whole, yeah, other world of, of, you know, the the, the press junket and the the press interview. Because, yeah, there's, I mean, that was actually... With uh, Freakin and, and that one and several others, it was, uh, uh, you know, just you had a set time and you'd, you'd show up. But there, there's others where they're, you know, they're just kind of shuttling people in and you have five minutes and there's, you know, the, the PR people are just kind of just, you know, hovering over constantly. And it's, okay, that's enough. We got to go. That's um, why I have never done one of those. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I, I, I don't have. I'm also not fast enough to give what I need in five minutes, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what, uh, I guess, uh, ruined my career as a professional extra. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've got more time on my hands now, so I may, I'm thinking of, thinking of doing it. But, but the, uh, um, that, as I said, Washington comes to, or Hollywood comes to Washington, and they pretty much 
go to the Washington Monument. They go to the mall. Um, I, I was a PA on Thunderheart, Val Kilmer. I got fired. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. I got fired off that one. It was, uh-huh. it was supposed to be, it was a great. It said, oh, they're going to be shooting for, for four or five days. Said, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, and uh, so, of course, they're down at the, uh, at the mall. Um, an interesting sidebar, Michael Apted was the uh, director. Mm. And at, at lunch, um, I'm just sitting at a table, a uh, picnic table, you know, by myself. And he just walks up and just sits down at the table with me. And it's like, which I, I've always admired him for that. He, yeah. just, he wasn't, you know, off in a trailer. Or he was just a really, really nice guy. Um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm a PA and, you know, we've got the walkie-talkies. And there was another PA and her name was, was uh, Valerie or Val. And uh, so I get on the PA one time and I go, uh, uh, Val, Val, we need you, Val, whatever. And apparently I was on the wrong channel. And the, uh, the AD who was with, you know, uh, Mr. Kilmer, uh, well, I guess was upset or Val Kilmer was upset that, you know, some PA was trying, <laughs> trying to talk to him or something. I don't know what. But at the end of the day, the, you know, the guy comes over and says, yeah, I, I don't think we'll need you tomorrow. That's okay. <laughs> So, oh. and and of course, wow. again, you know, they'd spent four days filming at the, you know, whatever they were filming at the uh, Lincoln Moral. I, I go to see the movie when it comes out, and there's just like a, you know, overhead shot of Washington, D.C., and then cut to inside a, uh, you know, an office set filmed in L.A. or Vancouver or whatever, and that was it. That's so and, funny. Yeah. yeah. I'm told I, that you're I, not allowed to shoot inside the memorial, just on the steps. Is that right? I think I think that's right. I mean, post nine eleven, it's incredibly difficult to shoot anything, and and they have a, a tripod. You can't use a, a tripod, um, so you have to get an exception if you're an actual you know production company. The other problem with shooting in Washington is that uh, it's a city, and then it's a federal city, so there's uh, you have to deal with the D.C. government. You have to deal with the Park Service. You have to deal with the, uh, you know, the the, the Capitol Hill uh, has their own police service, the Secret Service. You have to deal with them. So there's four, five, or six different entities you have to get permits for and deal with wow. to do anything. And it was it was hard enough, you know, before 9/11. After it, they've just cut down a whole lot to the point where I, I have friends that started a business where. Um, you you know how do you say hey we're going to film here we want to they just go out and they film exteriors mm-hmm. you know they'll film the treasury department you know they'll just do some nice pans and zooms around and things like that and then ship off the footage and then you can put it in the movie and that's crazy you know. yeah yeah so it now makes um, me think how much of it how much of the, <laughs> it's a terrible movie but uh, national treasure how much they actually shot over there oh i i don't know if they shot any <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is totally the thing um yeah that's um oh that's i, I remember i i also i was a pa on uh exorcist three uh-huh which involved they hi- just hired a photographer who had this big i think it was like one of the early like digital cameras but he had this big huge uh large format cameras and he was just uh at georgetown university he was just just doing still shots of the campus and campus buildings that they would then, you know, use and just as backgrounds for, for you know, oh. I think it was Richard Burton to like stand in front of an act. 
Uh, you know, so they weren't even making half an effort on that thing. As a PA, um, did you ever have to wrangle extras? Uh, no, it was just, it was usually crowd control. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was crowd control. Uh, and I was, I, I also, oh, I was an extra on uh, this thing. There was this uh, uh, pundit, Hugh Sidey who was uh, a columnist for Time magazine. And he was doing they were doing some ABC show, and he was, like, doing commentary on the thing. And this was during the uh, the first Gulf War. And they were filming at the Hay Adams, which is this fancy-schmancy uh, um, hotel right across the street from the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, in between uh, this place and, and the White House, uh, you know, on Pennsylvania Avenue, there's uh, a little little park, and in the park, there are all these protesters. They're like these drummers, and they're just you know, no more war, no more war. And so we're up on the, I don't know the, the eighth story or whatever it is, and and uh, he was you know giving his pontification about what the world means, whatever it was. And but uh, you know the sound guy keeps saying ah, these drums, these drums. So they give me like two hundred dollars, and they say you know, shut these drums up. So I go down. And I, I'm a drummer myself mm-hmm. as well, so I, I, I felt especially bad. <laughs> so I go down, and I'm just saying, hey, you guys, uh, we're filming up there. Could you guys keep it quiet? And that just, you know, <laughs> just louder and louder. Just it, I, I knew it wasn't going to work, but there was nothing I could say. And just offering them money, and that just insulted them, and they're getting louder and louder still. <laughs> so we just kind of had to, had to <laughs> oh my God. wait it out for a bit. Yeah, so I felt yeah terrible. Sure, I mean you're, you're going so. to. I mean that that's so funny. <laughs> when they take over, man, they take over. Like any film yeah, production, yeah. and they you kind of get the assumption a lot of times or the feeling that they think they own the place a little bit. And it's right, it's right. I I feel like when they're shooting, even in my neighborhood, and I live in Burbank, I get a little annoyed when I'm like, I would love to be involved in this production, but right now I'm just so fucking pissed that they're near my apartment. <laughs> uh, it's right, this weird right, double standard right, that right. makes no sense. Yeah. Well, the other thing about th- that makes filming in D.C. terrible is that National Airport is right next door. Mm, so mm-hmm. uh, you don't get, you know, uh, very much time before a plane is, you know, is flying by. Yeah, that's so. true, huh? I hadn't thought about that. That is that is one of the worst one of the worst things about shooting uh, or recording yeah. a podcast, although no- normally I'll just let it happen. <laughs> I will let it happen. Um so uh, we have one seg- segment on this show, and you can pick from, it's called Five and Over, so you pick one of the uh, extra things you did, uh, or maybe even a bit part in something, um, and it's got to be five lines or under generally, and you t- figure out what their spinoff is going to be. But it does not have to be the same genre, doesn't have to be the same medium. So if it's a film, it could be a TV spinoff. Uh, if it's a drama, it could be a comedy. Um, and if we don't know anything about about your character, you can give them a name, you give them a whole backstory. So which one would you pick? Oh, well, right now, uh, I, I think um, the haunting scene where uh, Mary Jane, uh, <laughs> she's just had this, she, she's just uh, in tears and tears, inconsolable. And she's walking down the street, uh, you know, walking away from, you know, the, the guy who could save her, literally, but she doesn't know that. And she meets this uh, this neighbor. This uh, neighbor she'd never really paid attention to before, who just taken out the uh, the garbage in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's recycling day. He's a thoughtful guy. He's recycling, and uh, mm-hmm. she sees him. He sees her. There's kind of a moment. He says, "Oh my gosh!" He you know, offers you know to to console her, and uh, well, for Frank, yeah, frankly, there there's just there's a spark, an mm-hmm. undeniable spark, 
and uh, and and they uh, they uh, at that moment they agreed to kind of just go off and start a new life together. The city is just uh, has 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 broken them, and they're going to go back uh, back to the land. Um, <laughs> and the title. <laughs> Um, uh, out from the web mm, mm-hmm. Escape from the web escape There we go, web. escape from the web <laughs> There we go I uh, I will be writing that as soon as we hang out Sure, that's understandable I, uh, Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, For years I, I would describe uh, Kirsten as my future ex-wife Sure But uh, she uh, she's a lovely, uh, incredibly talented Oh my goodness, um, yeah Yeah, amazing, amazing Yeah um, <laughs> Those so, movies yeah. are, that, are 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 a weird pop culture relic now because they they launched this new kind of idea of what what all uh, comic book movies could be, but then people started shitting on them right away. Even though I think for the most part yeah. they're pretty good, you know, I, I enjoy them. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, yeah the, the 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 first the first two Spider Men I thought were really terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, just loads loads of fun. Um, yeah, I don't uh, yeah I don't understand the uh, I know they. Uh, I mean, and and I mean, I was just going up, really, just to kind of just say hello to Sam again, um, uh, you know. And that was, you know, I didn't think he was going to put me. I didn't know what. But then I remember just seeing the set, and they had the chairs, and they had, you know, the name Kirsten Dunst, Toby McGuire, and I got, oh, whoa, wow, this is this is real. They're actually here. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So it was it was definitely a thrill to uh, you know to to meet those guys, and I think. Um, What's his name? The uh, the guy that played the uh, the the high school baddie. Oh, uh, James Franco, or yeah, yeah. I, th- I I think he yeah. I believe he showed up. Um, just I yeah. I heard that there was he kind of showed up in a car and just kind of visited the set, but I didn't I didn't beat him. Mm, okay, so, but I don't know that I've ever had. Anyway. I mean, I will, I will admit I've had the hey show up give this guy a good spot thing that that I have been fortunate enough to have happen a couple well once, and uh, that was for drunk history. Um, but that that was a ton of fun. Oh, which one? Which one? Uh, which last one? season, it was the Hoover's Burglars episode um, <laughs> where, uh, and my friend was like, hey, do you want to do some extra work? I'm like, yeah, I haven't done it in forever. Why not? And I show up looking like shit, to be frank. Um, and they, they, however, I knew the time period. So I wore my Spiro Agnew watch just to see if they'd let me wear it. And they did. And it makes it into the show. Um, and I'm not blurry <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm pretty well featured in it. <laughs> Um, Yay! It's pretty All great. Right. I will check that. Sitting next to Elijah Wood yeah. for for a minute or two. All right, it, it was a All lot right. of fun. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff is it is fun, right? It it, it is fun. I was really, I was listening to the the last episode where uh, talking about how Brad Pitt would just sleep in the car. Uh-huh. Just, that was know. the rumor, anyway. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I, I I do remember um, on the on the washing behind doors thing. Just there were just people that just they bought a bunch of books and they were sitting there reading. I mean, I was just just kind of looking around, going, "This is interesting. This is kind of new." But I, I, you know, I don't know. I guess it just seems like a to be that bored about it. It's like why? why I don't. Yeah, right. I don't understand because there there is so much going on for sure. Even even when nothing is going on, even when you're not filming, yeah, there's still a billion things going on. There's people, you know, running around setting up things and this, that, and the other. Yeah, um, that, that, that's so, the part yeah. of it I love. I, I I love that there's always activity. So it's it's hard to really genuinely get bored unless you're there for a real long time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like uh, 
14 hours on weekend at Bernie's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was that was actually boring. I take it back. I take it all back. That was incredibly boring. Um, but then again, I wasn't really in it. I was right. just kind of yeah. And I there was there wasn't the kiosk I could steal a Snickers bar from. Um, but uh, but I did get you know within spitting distance of uh, Andrew McCarthy, and uh, I I didn't spit on. I was going to say yeah, myself okay, for that. Enough. But uh, yeah, but it. Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, that whole yeah you could you could make a whole feature of just you know you know stuff that would just cut out. Oh yeah, and and I, I, I'm sure some uh, maybe you you know some you know uh, uh, you know budget person who could actually run the numbers for renting Grand Central Station. Oh yeah, for right. Entire entire night plus a train plus a track plus a hundred plus extras. My God, you know plus everything like that. 14 hours you if you're starting on golden time and you go over that because you know it was 14 hours what that must have cost and then right. the decision nah nah I'm just not gonna use it that's so <laughs> yeah, so don't funny. Need it. did don't they need even it. have bernie there was the corpse uh, the gentleman who played the corpse no there, there was no don't no, no and and i don't even know if uh <laughs> if i knew what the name of the film was it right was just uh you know friends and we got um uh that that might have come later mm-hmm um and then you know go and see it and you know nothing nothing is there you have but, to assume uh, that movie was called <laughs> dead man walking first before dead man walking was called oh, that right like it's yeah, it had to have yeah, some yeah. kooky name more kooky name than yeah, weekend at bernie's right yeah. uh well david this has been a delight um and we're gonna pick up <laughs> well, we're gonna you. pick up at some point and talk about obviously your comedy record and stuff you grew up with but uh, on my other podcast, Comedy on Vinyl. Uh, but tell people where they can find you online if you want them to and what you if you've got anything to promote <laughs> in like eight or nine weeks, which is when this is going to come out. So, uh, Well, you'll miss, yeah. The, uh, the next thing happening is just, uh, what, next week, my, uh, my uh, Emmy-nominated uh, PBS documentary is actually f- showing in a... Uh, in an actual theater around here. Oh wow! Um, but it's totally it's it's uh, called the Bayou DC's Killer Joint. It's a forty-five year history of this uh, the first club in DC to have live rock and roll music. Wow! Scandalous, scandalous, amazing. U two U two played their uh, I think their second American show there. Foreigner played their first live show wow. there. Anyway, it has a great history. Um, and for some reason. I mean, I, this was like uh, we did it ten years ago or something, but it's uh, it's showing in a the theater, so. But you can't. You'll you'll miss it. So. Damn it! <laughs> Enjoy that. That's remarkable. Um, that sounds like a. Gr- I'd yeah. love to watch that. I'm a documentary person, yeah. so I love that. Um, that's pretty. That I'm. Uh, yeah, other stuff is still in the works. I'm working on other other documentaries that won't be finished. But uh, nuttycomb.com at nutco on Twitter. That's pretty much where I be. Perfect. Um, there you go. But uh, thank you for, for this and for comedy and, oh, you, and all that. Are you uh, kidding? Uh, this is a lot of fun. And I have just have one thing left to say, and that's, I'm sorry I missed your thing. I don't own a TV. So. <laughs> you can find The Professional Blur on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find podcasts. And follow Jason on Instagram at Jason Klom and follow his hashtag, The Professional Blur. My turn. <laughs>